Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Industry Night with Foodie and the Beast, David Nikki Nellis. We're coming to you live from the, unless you're listening to this on iTunes, we're coming to you live from the beautiful Glaston Studio. At the moment. At this moment, I am alive. Right, there you go. In the Glaston Studio here at the fabulous Line Hotel in Mm -hmm. Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C., where we've shut out the rest of the world and we're going to be talking some great stuff today. Um, Ellen Kassoff and Todd Gray are on. Are in there? There. Wait, is this the first time you've been on this show? It is. Yes. Oh my God! It's, I can't. They're going to be first in. Time. Their We've fabulous in. restaurant Equinox, which has led the way in so many waves of Washington dining over the last twenty years, is in fact celebrating its twentieth anniversary. And our friends from the wines of Spain Wine. have. Br- Grapes of Spain. Grapes of Spain. Well, their grapes are made into wines. Right, right? that's true. Look at Andrew. But it would be best if you called we it get by along its right so name. Well. Yes. Uh, our end, they brought in Ivan Lopez. He's from Bodegas Caudalia. See? Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Bueno. That's and very good. Uh, we're going to be tasting, I guess, five reds and a white and hearing all about it. I don't think we're tasting a white. Are we tasting no? a white? No, no, no. no. We can talk about nah, it. We, we can, can talk, talk about, about it. White. I thought I saw white over okay. there, but who knows? So, uh, you know, why, why don't we start with. Talking a little wine. Um, Andrew's been on the show a bazillion times. No, he has not been on this show. Not on this show, but on our other show. I know, Foodie but you haven't even mentioned the other show. Okay, we have another show called Foodie and the Beast on Sundays. It's a broadcast show, and Andrew's been on several times, always wearing a tie. I have to say, right, you are dressed. Dapper Dan over there, That's man. True. It's the last time for the season, though. It's getting I, too hot. It's getting say, too hot. It's I'm radio. Right. Anyway, well, that's okay. He looks so nice. let's talk a little to Yvonne. Yvonne, why don't you give us a little bit of background on you and your winery and your grapes and all of that? Okay. Thank Thank you for inviting me. Mm-hmm. Bueno, Bodegas Caudalia is a very small scale winery, and my wife and myself run this winery. We are we were born in Rioja and moved to Navarra to the Pre Pyrenean Valley, mm-hmm. and we started this project uh, trying to recover a traditional procedures of making wine. We just make wine in concrete, in cement mm-hmm. tanks, and then some of them are aged in in French barriques, and some one of them not. No. Well, so what is uh, for that region? What is traditional Spanish winemaking? What does that mean? It means that we are not inventing anything. I mean, the first one was made in terracotta. The second one was made in, in concrete or cement. Mm-hmm. Then barriques, and then stainless steel tanks. No? Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody say, Ivan, you are inventing wine when you're making it in concrete. I'm not. I mean, 200, 250 years ago, mm-hmm. people make wine in concrete. No? Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. Okay. That's what I say in traditional. So you're a throwback. No? But in so the old ways. In the right. old ways, yeah. So did you, you were not, you're not, your family was not in the winemaking business. No, this no. is something new my, for my wife, my your wife, wife's family. My wife, yeah. So was there something for both of you that you were like, this is the style, this is what we want? You had a vision of what you were looking Raquel, to do? Raquel, my wife, had okay. a vision. Okay, so what was your wife's vision? My, my wife, Raquel, was working for a huge company, wine company in Rioja, mm-hmm. and she quit, and she said, Ivan, I know what I want to do and mm-hmm. where. So she was uh, focused well, on, I, I have, on Syrac, and he knows the place, the village. I, I have a question about the where, because the Pyrenean Valley, are you anywhere near Andorra? And no, bueno, is the, the is the Pyrenean zone. Yeah, but it's like three hours and a half oh, driving. So oh. We are really close to San Sebastian. Oh, which is to like San the, Sebastian. It's a food mecca. Exactly. I mean, people travel there. It's like one hour and a half. I driving really think Andrew, we should be doing this show from there. <laughs> we should okay. be in San and Sebastian. Are, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how cheap and we'll do can the pincho you get? crawl? Right, sure. exactly. We'll do the increments. Yeah, we are um, in the road to the Pyrenees. In, mm-hmm. in, in Navarra, in the north. So what I so, take from this is that you basically do what your wife says and. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's how it goes. Um, so you house. both decided to create this wine business. Yeah. You picked the location. Was it something about the terroir that was appealing to you there? Was it the grape? Was it the style? What were, what were you both trying the, to do? The, the village was selected by my, my wife because he was working in the next door village in, mm-hmm. in Eslava. And when he quit in Rioja, she moved to Chile 
and she was working for a very important winery over there mm -hmm. and she discovered Chirac over there. So mm -hmm. when Raquel came back to Spain, she said, Ivan, I know the village and I know the variety. And we started this project with Syrah. So is Syrah classic from that area? No. It's it, not. That's it, what I thought. Actually, it was illegal in 2010. And when you started? Yeah. yeah, when we started, it was illegal. Oh, okay. We, so wait, are we drinking illegal wine? Yeah, it was. Okay. No, right now, <laughs> no. It's, it's authorized. <laughs> I want to drink illegal wine. <laughs> but it, 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 it was, it's, this is pretty funny story because uh, Raquel and myself went to Northern Rhone To, to, to buy plants and, and, and planting in, in Navarra mm -hmm. in 2009. In 2009, in Northern Rhone, a French guy told us that there was a 40-year-old vineyard in Navarra. And I said, Sirac in Navarra? Right. It's not authorized. A French guy came over and, and planted 40 years ago. So we discovered this vineyard. It was totally abandoned. Oh, really? Totally abandoned, and we recovered it, and... So that's how well, we that started. That did work out. Yeah. So then, okay, but you don't just do Syrahs now. You do, you do, uh, but it's all uh, single vineyard? All single vineyard, yeah. except the, the Pal. Pal is a village wine. That's the but village wine. I that love that it's all, called the village wine. I think that's the, so fabulous. The village wine is the, in Spanish, in Spain, sorry, uh -huh. uh, when the, all the vineyards that make this wine is in the same village uh -huh. you can call everybody it the, just the, like the, pours a little bit in there exactly oh my god how much exactly. fun okay so you do Syrah you do Grenache Grenache Graciano is a typical grape so what is Graciano I'm not familiar Graciano with that grape. is a typical grape in Navarra and Rioja okay is, 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 is used normally to, to make cupasso with tempranillo mm -hmm. in the classical Rioja wines. But you did this as just... A straight, yeah. Straight. And so what, since... Um, I don't think a lot of people in the States are as familiar with that grape. What, no, what do we it, look... It's, it's very weird. Yeah, okay, so the, can we try it? What are we looking yeah, at? Yeah, sure. What, tell us about what we would look for flavors, textures. Yeah. What do you think? This is... The, the Graciano is... is well. It's kind of difficult mm -hmm. to... to cultivate mm -hmm. and it needs a, it's a long cycle uh, grape so it needs a lot of warm days okay, thank you. on the year so mm -hmm. is that what we have here no yeah. no this is the Chirac the the, the aromas in, in in Graciano are very eucalyptus mind after eight this kind of really fresh really yeah. fresh uh, aromas but this is a it's not a light wine no no, no this no, is no, a big wine no, it's no, a robust. big wine yeah Between right? the Syrah and the Graciano is probably the two most robust yeah, of the wine. Sure, 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 right. sure, sure, sure. And the Graciano is known for having great acidity and a lot of color. They also grow in the south of Spain, which is a little bit atypical, but they call it Tintilla mm. Roja. Yeah, exactly. It's got a so great mouthfeel. It's delicious. Oh, it's really is, delicious. Are you familiar with the wine, Todd and Ellen? Are you, are you familiar, familiar with this grape? wine? Hola. Hi. Hola. 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 <laughs> we'll bring them in to okay. ask. Um, so is this available in the United States? Yeah, it's available yes. in With Aurelio and Andrew, right, great Spain. Mm -hmm. This 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 difficult grape mm -hmm. uh, in eight years mm -hmm. we just make twice. This this because it's so hard to raise a grape, and yeah. it's so so hard, and it's difficult because in in our area, it's a preparing in area is so cold. The average temperature is around 11 degrees per year. Okay, so. And this needs you, really it, it warm It requires rather. a little warm year. So like, is it financially, is it worth the commitment? I mean, it does create no. a beautiful product, yeah, no. but no? <laughs> financially not. Okay. Not, not that one. <laughs> okay. Um, and how does it age? Is this a wine you It's would 2015. age? 2015. Okay. 2015. But is this something you would sell her or no? Would you, would can you, you age it longer in the bottle? Ah, I think yeah. You, I think you could, for sure. The acidity in Gracian is so high, so you can keep it for a long, long time. Long time. It long, will long age time. well. Yeah. It's the same question as always. Do you like the flavor of old wine? It's the first question. And then <laughs> well, if, if yes, a, then yes, it can age. But, but know, I think there's a lot Cabernet. of people who feel that um, certain wines will take on different sure. yeah, 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 different. Yeah. Properties yeah. as they age, and we'll we'll give it a totally. Di you're right; it yes. will be an old yeah. wine, yeah. but it gives it a different feel, a different flavor, everything. Yeah, you, you, you know what I mean? What do you like to see it paired with? Sorry, what do you like to see it paired with? What would you pair this wine with? Uh, well, uh, I I try to see if the the wines evolutes right. Mm -hmm. I mean, Graciano, no problem. The acidity is so high. Um, In terms of food, what would you pair with food? Ah, in prayer. Sorry, oh, yeah. sorry. That's okay. okay. For me, it's really good for uh, with rice. 
Rice dishes like a, a like a like a paella. Oh, like a paella. Yeah, oh, yeah. sure, that oh. makes all the sense arroz in the world. David's on a diet; he can't have paella. Yeah. So, so like or, or like in Spain, you do like a soupy rice with a concentrated broth, and That's you can do also like this. That's interesting because this has it has such a like a. It's big. Signature it's a big taste. Even, yeah. Yeah. If you need yeah. to try something grassy. Could be fun with this. Something mm-hmm. fat. This yeah. is really good because the acidity clean. All it's your, beautiful. Your mouth. I really like this one. All right. What else? Let's try one more. We should taste the Chipa Serrano, okay. I think. Okay. It's the iconic uh, variety for them, if you will. And this is the Thank single par- parcel version. Thank you. You're welcome. It's beautiful. Uh, okay. Can we talk about... Um, Syrah and what we should be, especially a Spanish Syrah compared to maybe a California Syrah or, um, you know, uh, in northern, you know, on the Pacific West Coast or Syrahs. What are we looking for in a Spanish Syrah that's going to be different? Well, the Spanish Syrah mostly are planted in southern Spain. Okay, also I should say Syrah instead of Syrah. And there's the big difference right there. (laughs) It's it's kind of uh, similar, like in California Syrah. In this case... It's planting in, in the north, so mm-hmm. you're looking for freshness, never overripen, never overripen. Mm-hmm. And I look for violets, cassis, and maybe some toffee. Right, toffee. because I do think some of the American Syrahs can be really grapey, you know, like juicy. Grapey? They can be juicy, like, like grape juicy. You know, like I feel like sometimes I drink a Syrah and I think it's going to stain my teeth. Bueno, but yeah. these are very, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like they can be. I, I don't know what, what I have the word no idea is. what you're saying, but okay, nobody cares what you think. <laughs> so, um, but this doesn't have that. This is a much lighter quality. It's not a heavy syrah at all. You, you feel more of that old world style where you have this freshness of acidity that happens that keeps the flavors really fresh right. in the mouth. Exactly. Like a lot of new world syrah has this sort of ripeness of fruit that and it has lower acidity, so it sort of fills your mouth more. Right? You have this mm-hmm. broad texture. And this isn't missing a broad texture, but it has a sort of more linear, more energetic feel because it's got that fresher acidity because it's from a cool climate. Yeah, it's really and this lovely. one, the particular thing is, is the terroir. Yeah, for those the of you out there that had no idea what Andrew just said, it's really But So what would you say the terroir, terroir is like at your vineyard? Is Because you're, are you at the foot of the mountains? Totally. Totally. So is there Actually, a lot of minerality or, because of that? Navarra Appalachian is divided in five subzones. Okay. Or subzone is called lower mountain. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are talking about so, 700 meters, the, the, the altitude. So is there a lot of minerality because yeah, yeah. of that? Because it's all the mountain? Uh, exactly. Are you feeling totally, totally. the effects of climate change at all with the way your vines are reacting? Right now, we are, we are yeah, we are noticing that one. What's it doing? Five years ago, we used to hand harvest it in November. Right now, by 20, 21st October, so, so it's just 10 days. Moving back earlier. a little bit. Yeah. What about um, sort of the heat versus the cold? I mean, I guess every year can be different. That's not necessarily climate change. Yeah, but it's not. trending. Hotter. It's trending, yeah. Warmer. It's trending up, yeah. So. Right. Huh. Um, I noticed that in a ring. All right. Well, let's make sure. We should make yes. sure that uh, everybody, Andrew. Here's where you pipe in. Where can we get these wines? Right. Oh, that's a good question. I don't. I'm not. Haven't been doing sales today in DC, but uh, <laughs> Wide World of Wine, uh, Arrow Wine, uh, in Arlington. Uh, I don't know where else were you today, Aurelio. Where else were you today? Uh, okay. Well, so what? So it's at Estadio. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You I sell at Estadio. So uh, Grand, um, let's Grand, give Grand people Kata. the names of the restaurant, please, so that we can, uh, so everybody knows what we're talking about. Oh, uh, the restaurant? name of the wines that we tried. Just oh, go so through them again. The name of the winery is Bodegas Caudalia. Their mm-hmm. entry-level wine is called Pal, which Pal. is P-A-A-L. Mm-hmm. And then the single parcel wines are called Shipal. Shipal. Okay, but, which is it's, with an X. but it's with an X. X-I-P-A-L. Okay. I'll put pictures up on my Insta story <laughs> so people can see it. Thank you so much yeah. for stopping by today. Okay, they yeah, are really delicious, delicious wines. This is a great wine. Thank you They're for really inviting wonderful. me. Hey, Absolutely. Yeah, and what an education on that other grape. I had never tried it before. Um, so next, we're bringing in two old friends. And I mean, like, super old because their restaurant has been open for so I mean, Todd so is so old, I think his wife is helping him up. Come on, Toddy. Um, Todd and Ellen Gray have launched Equinox 20 years ago, and it is one of the mainstays of D.C. dining. Todd is one of the originators of mid-Atlantic cuisine in the D.C. market um, and has also created a who's who of chefs in the D.C. area. Um, It is amazing how many chefs got their start under Todd's tutelage and have now gone on to open up their own restaurants. Um, You guys have such an incredible legacy, but you are never boring. 
Uh, you are always doing something That's new. not what Ellen says. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that is exactly what Can I add something know. else? No, because no, no, no. I want you to let me finish, please. No. Um, and you are now getting into a whole new world. So, Ellen, I can't remember. Are you... I know you're vegetarian, but are you now vegan? I, d- I don't label myself. Okay, she you. doesn't label herself, but she doesn't need like things labels. with eyes. I do know that. But because of Ellen's uh, way of eating, um, there has been a very strong part on Todd to provide for vegans and vegetarians in their restaurants. You guys were one of the first uh, doing that. And now you're really getting in to food waste and how to lessen that out of your kitchen, which is an amazing, amazing process because it's a huge buzzword right now, but you guys, once again, are ahead of the curve. All right, if you'll allow me to get a now word Now, you know in. that tagline on my email, do you ever wonder where the trash goes, has been on there for at least 10 years. Yes, right. exactly. You're <laughs> but totally you guys, you were also leaders in the sustainable, you know, when before people were really saying it and humanely raised, I remember all of that. Oh, yeah. I, I remember Nikki coming guys. back from the restaurant after a humanely raised media dinner and she was like i don't know yeah so i mean yeah why todd cheers to 20 thank you yeah thanks for the the cheers Cheers to 20 you know 20 years in restaurant life is like dog life you have to add seven for every one year (laughs) so it's really 20 times seven yeah well so let's talk about your history a little bit just don't serve dog (laughs) no i mean todd let's talk about um well, let's talk about a little bit how you two got together and how you decided, because you were at Galileo, right? Yeah. And Galileo you were for almost eight years. Working with Roberto Dona. Yeah. yeah. And were you, what was your role there? So I came on in 1991 as a line cook, mm-hmm. uh, one of the few Americans. And uh, Did was, you speak Italian? No. Okay. No. But, uh, uh, and then within, the, I don't know, three years or so, I was worked my way up and got promoted uh, actually once we had just gotten married to his first American executive chef. But you were, you were promoted to the sous, sous chef, chef the first, day we yeah. met. Yes, right. yes, yes. So um, we climbed up the ladder there. It was so that's and I can't remember, Elle, what were you, where, you were I was a sales rep for Cisco Food Service. Right, exactly. I knew so he, he was, was trying to pick up his sales rep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or you were trying to pick up the chef, one Maybe, or the right, other. Right, yeah, right. I'm sorry, the way Todd tells it, you were all over him. The minute you heard he'd gotten promoted, you were on him like <laughs> a like, fly. Oh my God, he's a really rising like star. That's right, I want that one. Yeah. Um, and then you guys got married, and what? How did the impetus for Equinox start? Because, you know, one of my biggest complaints about people who talk about the D.C. dining scene today is that they think they ju- it just started, like, a couple of years ago. But that couldn't be further from the <laughs> truth. We didn't have the breadth and depth of real estate or people here. There's been so, great chefs in D.C. since for, right, the 50s. I right. Mean. There's always been great chefs here, but we didn't have as many restaurants. It didn't mean we didn't have the quality of restaurants. So when you were ready to open up Equinox, what what was your vision then? And for the both of you, because it is a partnership, mm-hmm. let's start there. What was your vision then? Well, you know, when we, um, I, I think when uh, we got married, we, you know, that was our, start talking and you have those very romantic discussions about wanting to open a restaurant and we've so never romantic. had one of those I know. that right, sounds right, so right, romantic let's work 40 hours you know, a day and you, know, you know you have a you know a couple of six glasses of wine you start talking about those kind of things and uh so um you know we ended up honeymooning in northern california and uh actually we were going to stay in northern california yeah and it just the job opportunity opened up but you know, we were so turned on by the whole Northern California consciousness and, and Alice Waters. And at the time, Thomas had just opened in 1995 at right, the French, French Laundry. Laundry. Um, you know, uh, Hubert Keller was in uh, Healdsburg. There was this just with mustards. It was, we were hitting two and three restaurants a day, getting excited and That's inspired. what we did on our honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> right. Eat, two and three different right? restaurants a day. Yeah. Right. That and well, we like a good hike, hike by day and eat and drink by night. And so we came back from our honeymoon with the intentions of moving, which we ended up staying and got this offer from Roberto to stay and be his executive chef. But it was, it was I think it was spurred on by that type of existence in a restaurant where things were local, things were, you know, meat was local, vegetables were harvested locally or even in your back of your restaurant. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, and uh, that's where it started. And then Ellen and I, it's actually, the, that's where it is to this day. Yeah. Like I, I think that if you read the mission statement from our business plan that we wrote in 1998, it's exactly the same mm-hmm. paragraph as, as we used to say. It hasn't changed. Right. But, you know, you weren't touting the, um, that it had to be 
local, but you were touting working within what's local, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, you know, there was a huge sort of like it took time swing. for the farmer, you know, the farmer right situation. for people to catch up. It still was the Mid Atlantic, and you know, now they have hot houses and greenhouses, and you can get a lot more availability you know well technology has changed yeah technology has changed and the availability of small farmers has also changed but we were working you know when we first told people investors you know we want to work with local farmers they they scratched their head and kind of laughed because that wasn't really done in dc well back then they were talking about the death was there a fresh farm market yet no No. No. right yeah just tuscarora had just been formed Back or like in 1996 and 97, we actually we, helped them get when we, all the chefs really? took a bus up there uh, and uh, said that we would all buy asparagus and their strawberries, and that kind of kept growing and growing. And um, we were getting things out of Virginia, and, and then there's Rappahannock food, it, Rappahannock food vegetables. But when we went on the air on the broadcast show, which was about 11 years ago, one of the topics was the death of the family farm. I mean, it went wait, you know, it went wait. There's a huge dip. Before then, we started having chefs on who had left the kitchen to go farm mushrooms or this or that. Yeah. So um, you were way ahead of your time. Yeah. I mean. Well, we, you know, we did it it from the heart. I mean, we did stuff that we thought that's what we, who we are. That's what we believed in and we still believe in. uh, But how has that changed with the change in the local farming landscape? Um, Have you been able to work with farmers in a way that you weren't in the past? Have you been able to... I mean, not only have you been able to help rise farmers up, but have you been able to, like, work with different cheese farmers and dairy farmers? And, you know, there's now, like, honey farmer. I mean, there's so many varieties available, not just to chefs, but also to the public. I mean, it's sort of trickled outside the restaurant. It's changed. Is that it's expanded. Well, right, just totally. like you said, you know, that uh, there's been numbers of chefs that have come out of my kitchen or our kitchen and, have gone on just like that a lot of farmers came from Tuscarora that went on to open their farms and oh, is that true Path Valley farms and there were small farmers that spurred off of all these so they just grew in size and, and, and now it's like inside DC on top of rooftops yeah. right that's the next thing and yeah. and, right right so there and that's so I guess the way it's changed is that we're not only you know within 50 or 100 miles of the restaurant now we're within two miles of the restaurant right. mm-hmm. purchasing and a lot of the stuff that we're doing with that are not wasted efforts are completely putting, you know, all of our compost back to the farmers in D.C., back into the soil and sold back to us. So it's well, like a complete life cycle. Let's talk about, I mean, it, I wanted to get to that later in the show, but since you brought it up, <laughs> let's talk about this not wasted program because it is a huge buzz term right now. Not wasted doesn't sound right. I'm I sorry. know. It no, that's what totally we like. Right. It. Todd, you're not wasted, wasted, are you? No, are we not wasted I love it. I think it sounds 100% right. But who, what was it? What was it that spurred that on for you? What was there an aha moment where you're like, oh, we can totally do this? Yeah. I mean, well, Ellen, I'm be honest, but this was Ellen. I'm, I'm about to, uh, this I drag t- him along kicking and screaming no, at every but, turn. But, but, it was, <laughs> but she's uh, right. Well, I tell you, I mean, and it was... And I, know <laughs> I it will was, be your backup always, <laughs> you know that. Well, it started with her, you know, two and a half years ago, said, you know, no more stalls at the bar. And we said, you can't do that. I said, customers are going to have an uproar. I said, you guys are going to deal with it. So she was ahead two and a half years ago, and now moving all Wait, the... Now it's illegal to have started. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah, straws, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I think the... Like, I, I, I'm an avid watcher of documentaries because we don't get a lot of time to read. So I think um, I had seen so many new new documentaries sort of documenting, you know, mm-hmm. what's causing climate change to trash dumpster diving as a profession and right. watching all these things and then doing a little research and realizing that hospitality is the number one contributor to landfill waste. And I think we were always horrified at the portions that some restaurants give because that's the American perception of value. If it's big, it's worth it. It's worth you know? it. And why is it worth it if you buy it and then throw it away? I'm not sure. But so I think it's, it was a slow evolution. I don't want to say like one night, it just the light bulb came out like, oh, let's do this. Well, that's more of a marketing move than it is a move, I think, from the heart. And I think it, when the restaurant's at 20 years old, we can sort of do what what you good and, and what we well, like. So let's you know. start with the straws. You took straws off the bar. Off the bar. So that inc- and that includes like swizzle star. You know those the- came later because that got a lot. And of what resistance. kind of pushback did you get? 
um, mostly more from our bartenders, but um, the public, I had stainless steel straws. And everybody was like, why, why, why? And, you know, we explain. I explained to everybody. It, it was getting my staff to buy in. The same as using plant-based foods and stuff. It, you have to get the staff to buy in. Mm-hmm. Well, then the sea turtle video surfaced. Right. And everybody shut up. So right. a lot of times, like a doc, good documentary, you have to see something that shakes you to your core. And if you Google that, that poor sea turtle with the straw coming out of its nose, then you, you get a visual. And I think people don't get shocked into taking action until they really see it and this is well such they a have to short... feel it viscerally sure well, yeah think... well this is such a short you know attention span kind of a society that we live in now and everything's on the phone and you have to see a three-second video you know nobody has time to really sit down and watch a bunch of documentaries and figure it out for themselves they have to see one quick thing and i think the public's perception changed with this sea turtle uh, well video. i think one of the issues with straws originally was that People like real naysayers, because I feel personally every little bit helps, right? So if it means I don't use straws, I don't use, like, who cares? I don't need a fucking straw, like, who cares? But I think for a lot of people, they were like, I mean, it's just a straw. Like, what's like, your problem? Like, right. why can't a right. str- like, you think straws are going to save the world? But I was like, but it's just, it's take one thing away. It's and then like it's what like, you said. once like, you stop with straws, then part. stop with water bottles. Yep. Like, we can lessen our plastic oh, use. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's but it's hard. We're so people just used don't to it. think they think we're in they feel like they're in such a tsunami that they any of their actions won't make a difference. Exactly. Or they feel like Well, you're there's also any- the flip side. That goes back to your large portions and if I'm gonna throw away half of it, there's that feeling of and that's engendered by literally by being an American. Right, it, it's like, a mentality. Oh, I can afford it. You know, well, well you know, waste is. I, well, I you know, we travel outside this away. country, and there's no other country like this. Right. That wastes the, the way we I mean, do. Like, no, In many ways, no. there's right. So, I, and I think that it big stakes yeah. and big cars. Well, and then once Todd <laughs> started seeing, like, learning more about it and realizing, like, hey, wait, we can make some cool stuff from things that otherwise would have been thrown away. Like, again, you're you're paying for an entire carrot, yet you're chopping off. The top, the top and the the bottom and then peeling it. So you're just basically throwing money away. Well, why not try to see if you can do something with that that goes in the trash? So what does that look like for you, Todd? What does that mean? (laughs) Well, he's got some samples. Yes, let's see. What do we got here? Well, I'll I'll tell you what. I'll I'll get to this in a second. So, you know, it started with, um, you know, looking at the things like for our plant-based brunch and a lot of our plant-based dishes where I said, well, we're using lots of brassicas, you know, uh, Brussels sprouts and cauliflower and things. and. We started looking at it. If you look at head of cauliflower, you realize the the big, large uh, right the core. St- People get core, rid of the core, right? You got the hard leaves on the outside, but if right. you take them and you take them off instead of discarding them and cutting the core, if you cut them nice and thin and then you saute them in a hot pan and you put ginger or whatever you like to put it, those stems and those leaves get very tender, and all of a sudden you realize you have what was a case of cauliflower heads you now have a case and a half of cauliflower heads and bodies mm-hmm. that stretch your stretch your volume out the same with uh using all the stems from all the and what about the flavor what are, i mean it's amazing it's actually better and i'll tell you i was just spent the day uh with bruno gusalt at Cuisine oh, Solution. solutions they, we've yeah, had them in i know you were out there they told me to tell you hello oh i love that and um <laughs> You know, this, this Creo, we're working on, I'm getting trained in the Creo uh, extraction, which... Oh, wait, I'm going to stop you, because we have to take a break. But when we come back, I cannot wait. Like, I'm already, like, Great. I have chills, because I, I was out there um, a couple months ago, and I'm like, you guys are going to save the world. Yes. Like, I think what they're doing, I know that wasn't their attention, no, but, but, you know, okay. people know them for sous vide, but what they're doing in that lab... They're going to save the world. It's amazing. I can't wait to talk about it. All right. Okay. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. Oh, no, not Foodie and the Beast. We're industry <laughs> night at the Line Hotel, but You're we just so are. You're having us on Foodie, the Foodie and the Beast. I thought you were not wasted. I am not wasted. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a second. So. Up all night with the same thing in my head. Just wanting you here next to me. It's been a long time. Don't you agree? You can turn it all around and say to me.
We're back on Industry Night with Foodie and the Beast, David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, we are talking to Todd and Ellen Gray. Well, Ellen Kassoff Gray. Let me get that right before I get yelled at. And Todd Gray, who's Equinox Restaurant. Who do you restaurant. think is going to yell at you, me or Ellen? Ellen. Ellen. Uh, you <laughs> I can take. I'm afraid of Ellen. Oh, uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but their, their restaurant, Equinox, is a cornerstone of fine dining and wonderful dining here in the district and mm-hmm. has been for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And we're celebrating that. We also want to thank the folks from Grapes of Spain who you have brought to say in, it in the mic or else nobody I will said hear you. Grapes of Spain. My God. Okay. Grapes of Spain. <laughs> Ivan Lopez from, I'm going to say it right, Bodegas Claudia, Claudalia. You notice that I'm not saying it because my Spanish is brutal. And yo no hablo español. No, I don't. Not at all. Um, But uh, before we took the break, we were talking about your trip out to Cuisine Solutions, Todd, and what you gleaned out there. Because this is part of your not wasted movement, right? So, what? um, As I said, we had Cuisine Solutions in here before, but just tell us what it was about what they're doing that attracted you. Well, because. The Creo, uh, the Creo extraction is really learning how to maximize your vegetables by taking all the peelings, all the skins, and doing a juice extraction by mm-hmm. a sous vide technique over the course of a day or two, which we're in the first day of three or four days. And, um, it's, and it, it just falls right in line with all the things we've just been talking about, using the peelings and using dehydrated skins and making, making limoncello out of rinds and all that that we've been doing. So when I, like I when I thought right. about this and I but I've wanted to try I wanted been wanting to do the training for the last six months or a year and now that we've just kicked in and really found our our stride with this not wasted and our our composting and really going at it to try to utilize every piece of the vegetable and everything that we can this is perfect for me so I, it's exciting to work with Bruno and uh, Gerard and all of his team at uh, Cuisine Solution they're amazing and have learned so much just in a short time so. Um, I brought you a little something so you could see how this works. Yeah, yeah, I love presents. I love them. Okay, so <laughs> what we have this looks illegal, yes. but it's not. So well, we can DC, pass this around. Yes, yes. take one and pass to the right. Okay, um, this but is. this is the first. Ext- this is the first extraction of the process, and and then the process. You take the juice, and it is um, after it is we do the extraction. Then it is is then frozen. So it's very much this. Wine guys will appreciate this. It's very much. It's very much. Um, like doing ice wine when you freeze the grapes before you press them the juice mm-hmm. gets more extracted because you leave the uh, you leave the that mm-hmm. that's totally mushroom you, tell them you leave the yes this is a mushroom okay mm-hmm. and then the, it leaves the ice the water behind and you're left with all the natural flavor of the mushroom liquid right and as the second as this is the second one that we have that's much more deeper and a very umami type this of flavor is, mm-hmm. and they get more intense oh they get Okay. They do get more intense because they keep trying to go deeper and deeper the, the more, and deeper. The more you freeze and the more water you take out of it, the stronger it gets to almost being, like you said, an umami, almost soy sauce. Wow. Right. But so as a chef, how do you see using this process? Like, I see what they're doing in their lab there, yeah. and I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. But my question is, is what's the next step with this? So, yes, these are super flavorful. Thank you. Well, imagine, imagine... Taking your, Shrooms. imagine you taking your taking, <laughs> imagine taking your asparagus soup and blasting it with this type of an asparagus extraction, making a vinaigrette. Imagine taking your lemon uh, Wait, peel that you cook. This? this is all mushroom, but done in different phases. You can tell the intensity when yeah, you taste they it. They get a much more intense. Mm-hmm. But these are for boosting a flavor. I mean, these these are exp- these are flavor explosions. Do this with artichokes. Put this in an artichoke. So risotto. then, what? So they extract all this intensity, mm-hmm. and they're able to encapsulate it, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And then, what's what is left 
of the actual product? Is it like shreds of nothing? You just put it in compost? Yeah, exactly. Well, yes. Once you're done with it, then you've extracted it, then you can compost it. But what you're left with, the, yes, the, the, your liquid or your essence is what you're, you're trying to achieve. Right, of course. And you're trying to develop maximum flavor. And you're trying right. to utilize product, but you're trying to mainly, and again, to drive huge flavor until so you get this extraction and then you have all the, the you've used the whole vegetable mm-hmm. Can I, so. I mean could you make if you collected enough make a soup out of the whole thing oh yeah I mean that's what you would you know you'd make a broth so you imagine right. so I'll give like you a what, stock right and like there's even being done with you know that they're even extracting the flavor out of fish so that you're actually getting the fish liquid and the fish will take it takes like nothing but the liquid that's been extracted is like a super intense salmon broth well, imagine putting oh asparagus that would make me say a, umami a, a crudo of salmon inside of a really explosive so salmon flavor broth you throw right you know so these are new techniques that are just um, they're just they're killing it out there and they're they're just on top of the world in the, in so the scene so what does it take to make this because, you know, I'm sort of an optimistic pessimist about the way the world's going. What does it take to make this a world movement? I mean, Cuisine Solutions wait, says... Get wait, like not wasting food? food not waste? wasting food and, 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 and basically maxing out absolutely through, whether it's through a Cuisine Solutions solution. Well, because food waste is a multi-pronged process, right? It's not well, just restaurants... I mean, it's everybody yeah, it's pitching in, in, but I mean, restaurants there's, there's, are great leaders in this. There's groups in D.C. called D.C. Working Food Group, and they are just a group about eradicating food waste. Um, we just did an event um, a couple Mondays ago at, at the Culture House for right. Blind Wino. And we had um, the, someone from DCPW, Department of Public Works, come and speak because they're heading up. Now Mayor Bowser has put this into place in D.C. They can bring food scraps to um, farmers markets, and mm-hmm. she's really made a green initiative towards this. So. Like Nikki said, it's a collective thing, and and all it takes is to make people want to do this is sexy chefs, right? (laughs) People leading the way, and they're trendsetters. So, you know, you can name ten different trends that have started with chefs, especially about food, and and it catches on, and and that's what we hope to happen. Like any movement, it's a grassroots thing. We're not, but chefs are really considered experts now right so i mean i'll i'll never forget i was on a sustainable seafood panel like 20 years ago i don't know how i wound up on that panel but wasn't it so what's his name bob kincaid yeah. was on it and you know barton siever was on the panel as well and there was a it was a whole variety of people and um i guess i was representing press but um somebody this was at the smithsonian and somebody asked a question and they asked it to bob kincaid and they were asking like you know, how, how can chefs really get involved and what else can chefs do? And Bob Kincaid, I mean, God love him because he, he's quite a character, but he was like, most chefs don't even have a high school education. He's like, you do not want your information from chefs. And I was like, um, no, that's not true. Like, I think, you know, maybe 25 years maybe ago, maybe 20, you know, 40, maybe some chefs that that's not where you went to for information. But in today's world, the chefs are the leaders when it comes to pointing out farmers, pointing out sustainability, talking about food waste. I mean, they food are the network. That's funny to hear. Food that Network from- has done this. I mean, they put chefs on TV. I mean, right. Todd spoke with Michelle Obama in the the White House. Okay, now South you're Lawn. just bragging. But sorry, <laughs> the first time a chef had ever been invited to come to the White House or partner with the White House and. You know, Sam Cass and and Michelle Obama invited Todd to come, and he addressed a group of 500 chefs wondering how to get better food back into schools. And so there a movement was born. You know, it just takes exposure. And, of course, TV Network was not far behind, and they sent a bunch of chefs to that meeting. So it's a a collaboration of, of people and efforts and just getting people to understand the problem. And I also think that chefs are some of the most generous people on the planet they're well, always ready to feed people they're always ready to you know do do a benefit to to benefit their community in some way so and i think so chefs are a natural choice because you know they care by nature they want to feed you they want to nourish you and they're great people to send the message everybody's hungry and food is a you know sexy trend in america so how do you at the restaurant todd how do you handle food waste how are you doing it now and what's the long-term goals with it well, right now, um, we're super excited about our composting. You know, mm-hmm. we are pulling out 
I think in April we pulled out 1,700 pounds of compost uh, in out the four of, weeks. Out of the food waste. Okay, out so for people, who don't, for people who don't compost, mm-hmm. and I, David and I compost at home, but I think people are very... They're very itchy about composting. Mm-hmm. They think it's going to bring rats. They think it's going to be. You don't a leave it outside, right? But how do you how do you compost at the restaurant? How do you do well, it? Well, wait a minute. And and what we learned is there's way more you can compost than just plant matter. Every scrap, we'll talk about yeah. Too. Every yeah. scrap, uh, yeah. And and that's what the this is what's so exciting is that we were and that it was a learning curve for us too. But I didn't realize after we started working through this process that um, our our uh, compost company Pluver. Uh, mm-hmm. who cl- explained how this would work when he came on site and said, you know, we put one bucket here, one bucket there, one like bucket. Like the big painter buckets. Yeah, yeah. and they're, they're not too big. I mean, they're like four-gallon buckets. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we'll put one here by the dish station. We'll put one over here by a pasta station. Let, where else do you want? So let's put one over here by the grill. And he said every time any, you know, onion skin, anything, any trim from any beef, anything that you're See, people cleaning. don't think you can do meat. It's new. Can, it's not, right? This yeah. is a new technology. Yeah. Yeah. This right. is not, like, households aren't, yeah. can't yeah. do this. This, yet. Is, right. this is restaurants, right? This is, this is bones. This is fish skin. This is, this is your, your half-eaten piece of salmon that you just felt like you were too full after tasting menu you had a couple bites I'm really good that piece of salmon doesn't go in the trash that goes right into the waste bucket there, there's, there's all the nothing lem- all, all the lemon that we make the fresh lemon juice lime juice everything goes into the bucket okay and you'd be amazed at when you turn around in a half of a day and you look down and you're like it's full. oh my gosh this is unbelievable the amount of product that would have otherwise gone in the trash so what goes in the disposal nothing no, well our- we've also reduced our um Trash fees because we pay, you know, by the by the time that they come pick up, how many sure. times they come. So we've reduced our costs. I mean, even you know, there's trade offs with costs, but we've reduced our costs for for trash removal. Oh, the haulers services. must love you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting situation. But so does Sorry, that mean? Yeah. So does that mean you've also did you change the products you're using as far as paper? Like, are you eliminating as much plastic as possible? So I think. Um, well, this this week with the changeover from our disposable candle lights, where a lot of uh, restaurants just buy those um, plastic disposable with oil. Cell right. fuels, yeah. Yeah, so Fuel with, cells, the, with yeah. ridding ourselves of that, um, we're about 98% waste-free in the restaurant. And, yeah. and what we got oh. a re- refillable candle cell, fuel fuel right. cell. So I used to spend, you know, $75 every two weeks on fuel cells, and now I just buy the oil and our staff. It so I have a cell. question Wait. for you. Has the media come knocking yet to profile what you're doing and spread the word or no? Here you are. Right. We are the media. And no, you, you missed what I'm you, saying. Well, I'm this saying was the mass, uh, okay, the be, mass okay. media. Um, we have, not the intelligentsia. Sorry. We've, we've done, um, thankfully, like, we, yes, we're, we're, we're. But we're not doing it for that. So a lot of times I don't even pay attention. We're no, but doing, I mean, but yes, that's I'm, how these I'm movements sure, take yes, fire, catch it, fire. It, right. And we just did an, um, a long interview with, with China, <laughs> television in China. But um, this was actually an anniversary present to the restaurant. This is when everybody was saying to us, okay, what's the next 20 years? This mm-hmm. is what the next 20 years is for us. This is Equinox's present. <laughs> The Grand Dame well, to So what does that mean? Waste. I'm just sort of curious because when I think about being in a chef's kitchen, there are some staples like saran wrap. Like mm-hmm. saran wrap. Everybody wraps everything Recycle. in saran Aluminum foil. And yeah. it goes into the recycling bin. It does? So is it recyclable, saran wrap? Yes. Polymers mm-hmm. are recyclable. Okay, totally recyclable? Yes. Mm-hmm. And what about uh, to-go containers and how did you handle They're your all straw? They're compostable. All and compostable? we have straws made out of hay. And we also have stainless steel straws, but there are okay. straws that are made out of hay. They're because made out I don't like hay? the paper ones. The paper ones are too they get flimsy. soggy too yeah, fast. No, there's there's great ones made out of hay. Then there's also these beautiful rose gold stainless steel ones we have, which are actually much nicer to drink okay, out of than a plastic okay. straw. And I love you for having that, but I mean, are they disappearing left, right, and sideways? No, it's people funny steal shit. They yeah. do, which is yeah. why they're not very expensive now. Um, and we also got rid of the coasters, the bevnaps. We don't use bevnaps anymore. Oh, we have a, I love that because that's silicone, a waste. Wait, huge, and um, we have a silicone um, coaster coaster with our logo on it. People steal those, but you know what? What's but every right. business's dream is to <laughs> end up in your, their house so, with your logo on it. So, so like, and fine. it's a funny story. It's Take true. a set of four, so, use so, them every week. I don't care. So, <laughs> speaking of this, this is no joke, and this is this is true. Last week, my my cousin uh, David Gray, great great friend and an investor, sat down and saw. I said. Oh wow! What are these? And I said, "Oh, this is part of our no age program." And he said, 
boy, these are going to travel fast. And he looked at me and said, actually, this one's going back to my office. <laughs> that's fine. It's, it's like, right, a, that's, have a gift. Fine. If you, you want know, to take you should really experiment. You should do logo. I, I, I love it. Use them all summer long. Put them at your beach house. Right. Have a nice drink Why on not? them and think of Just Equinox. don't throw them away. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's and the they key. had a logo on them, so that's, that's fine with me. I, I, I'm happy for people so to take So what them. are you guys doing for your 20th anniversary? What's on deck? Did you get the invitation? I know. Okay. <laughs> I asked her a question I knew the answer to, but you were supposed to answer it. What are you guys doing? How are you going to celebrate? It's a throwdown. Now tell Ellen, this well, is Ellen's put together a great party. Since January, though, because of... Because yeah. of what? Am I taking over? Um, no, do it. We're having a bash. Okay. On um, May 19th, it, mm-hmm. will be, it will be the 20th year. Mm-hmm. I'd be remiss to say that my son was born four months after we opened. So Two babies at once. Look at that. That's a big baby over there. That is a Let me hear you say He's umami. been in the studio a few times with us over the years. I it's think you've seen some, some age. Um, yeah, so we have um, a great band playing. We're pitching a tent. And we are serving. Um, we're breaking the 20 decades up into years of five. Mm-hmm. The 20 into f- five. Sorry, fives. Yeah. Yes. So each... Five years is representing a different phase <laughs> of our existence, and the food will be corresponding to those. And where are you doing this? At Equinox. At Equinox. In, the, in the restaurant. David, you're coming, right? But yeah. Yes. I wouldn't miss it. It's in the restaurant. All, we have a great wait, band. Wait, 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 wait. You got a band and you got free food. We you got think a I band. Won't be yeah. There? Have you met yeah. my husband? <laughs> we, have, um, we have a great band playing called the Muddy Crows, kind of roots rock, um, mm-hmm. fun. And we've got a tent on the patio and. Um, we're gonna have oh, fun. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of hurt that you didn't hire my band, but yes, um, Harrison's no, modeling a t-shirt. Is, oh, can you pretty. turn around and show them? The let's back. see the back. The Come on, Harrison. Let's t-shirt. see it. Because seasons matter. Oh. Hashtag because seasons matter. I love that. Um, well, I think you know, given how long you guys have been in the dining scene, it is important to evolve, and I think that's a, an important message because you know, you guys read all the media that's out there and you know a restaurant closes and everybody's like oh it closed and I mean listen don't get me wrong this is a hard industry with razor thin margins so it is not easy to survive and you have to evolve to stay fresh and on it also you have an amazing location as well well and there you know there's um, a handful of us Robert Weedmeyer shout out to Mm -hmm. Robert Kaz just celebrated we just had Kaz on in the beast we're down to probably Two fistfuls of restaurants over Silver 20. Diner. Right on. There you go. <laughs> Clyde's. They really started. I have to say, Clyde's really started the farm to table movement in DC. They, on the they, larger level, on the yeah. larger they scale. They inspired sure. us because they had had a farm in, well, Clyde's was I founded remember. in 64, but all through the 70s, they, they, and they still do, they have a farm that they were bringing a lot of their vegetables from. So honestly, in DC, if real credit should be given to the Clyde's group. Which I hear Catherine Graham's family is interested in um, buying Clyde's now. The um, oh, we were going to make an offer. <laughs> oh, I did not. Hear or no, that. maybe it was uh, Old Ebbet. Sorry. Oh, uh, maybe Old yes, Ebbet. I think. But that anyway, makes more sense. so they they really the Clyde's group really and truly inspired us mm-hmm. as well because they they started this here in D.C. as well as Jean Louis Paladin, who really taught every chef what it is to be seasonal. Well, I think on Definitely. that note. I'd love to talk about the early years because there was a chef's club. I, that's how I got my start because Roberta Dona brought me to a chef's club one evening. That's how I met you. Wow. And um, it was at Len DePaz's house. It was <laughs> I at, think I was there. You were oh, you there. Are going back through I the years. Oh, my right God, there. no. So it was, I had not launched the list, areyouonit.com yet. And uh, Roberto Dona, I had told him I was taking cooking classes with him. I told him what I was doing. And he's like, I'm going to take you to a chef's club and you're going to meet everybody. And you're gonna, he told me, he's like, you're going to give everybody free advertising. And um, <laughs> that's the way to get started. And he's like, and we're all going to help you get started. That's what heroin and dealers do. Same I thing. mean, and that's that's how it happened. And I went in and I met you and Robert and Michelle. It was a boys club. And uh, she's only girl. And- Jeff Tonks Jeff, Jeff Boobin was like what do you want from me I'm like I don't want anything from you dude I was like I just want your events like just tell me what you're doing um, I didn't know about PR people or I didn't know how it worked at all you I were just, so naive back I was then. so naive I know but how I, do you think I got an American I mean I just knew I just knew that there was information out there that was not getting the attention it deserved and I wanted to create a platform for it 
But um, everybody was really generous and delightful with me and to me. I mean, Jean-Louis was still alive then. It was um, about a year and a half, maybe two years before he passed. That's how I met everybody. Jody Lear was there that night. That's how I met Jody with Santa The only Lucia's one that Day I Coffee. found difficult that night was Todd Gray. Yeah, yeah. Todd Gray. <laughs> so aloof. <laughs> He oh might have been gosh. stoned. He might have been. Oh that, that wasn't legal yeah, back then yeah, either. Yeah. But now look at us. Now, we let now we're cooking with it. That's right. <laughs> That's another thing. But no. uh, Wait, but yeah, is that, that coming up? No. <laughs> Are we going to extract <laughs> essences that, from that? I'm in trouble. Show. I'll have some CBD yes. oil <laughs> soup, please. Yes. But uh, right. yeah, those clubs, it's already been done. <laughs> those clubs were fun. They were so surly. Did, was the sun come? Did, was the sun up when you left? Uh, no, we left at probably we at probably left, No, we left. It started left at early. noon. It started at midnight, and we left probably at like one or one thirty. Was it that late? Really? Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. There are stars. I started at midnight. It's Saturday night. I do yeah, remember. I tell you who. I remember. This was at Len's house. He was stinko. <laughs> and he, 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 I, we just met him and he had his arm around me I will be your best friend you know? <laughs> it's like okay that was a crew Jean-Louis oh. Michelle Richard and Len Depas yeah. the Moroccan and the two French guys oh my like. god it was so uh. I mean for me I look back at that with such fondness and I am obviously eternally grateful to Roberto Donna for giving me that opportunity because not everybody got to go got no. to have that experience yeah. you know I was I was really lucky yeah. so I um some but it's a shame, right? But it's a shame that, I mean, the chefs do all get together today, but there's so many fractions now. Do you yeah, know what I yeah, mean? It's not yeah. the same. No, you know what I mean? It's not. Man, there's different. But well, there are a lot of them now too, yeah. and that's the problem. There's there's probably there's probably like chef times. clubs. Uh, yeah, you know, right? Cool. But um, right, uh, the, definitely some of that old school camaraderie is is non-existent in DC right. anymore. I I'm, I want the absolute worst horror show memory from the last 20 years and the very best memory aside from getting oh, married who, and, ha- and having Harrison. No, like no. a guest thing? What, what I, I'm leaving it wide open. Whatever oh. it is that you're actually allowed to tell us. Okay. And then the snowstorm. All right, here okay. it is. Okay, He's getting direction. Okay. Right, okay, so, so do, I, do, I, do I take this one? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So this is the worst. Well, that that was your shit show that morning. Which one? Because you you came there, like oh, yeah. you went there. I was okay. still okay. Was, okay, wait, of course. I can't believe I even had to think about this one. Okay. So um, yeah, on um, December nineteenth, two thousand and nine. Right before uh, the holidays. Right. The um, week. Of. Finished a super busy service. The restaurant, of course, it's the week before Christmas. I mean, every day and night, you're just rocking. It's beautiful. I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning or 6.30. I go down to make coffee, and I pick up my phone, and I look at it, and there's like 14 missed calls. Um, I don't think I, we had text I don't think there was much then. text. And, I, <laughs> right. and it was all, and I realized one was from my building, and I called, and when I called the number, uh, they picked up, and there was a fire alarm still going off, and bells were ringing, and they said, you need to probably get down here. There's been a fire. And my first, my first thing that came out of my mouth was, we're going to be open tonight, right? We had we had a huge party. <laughs> yeah. So, so I frantically go jump in the cab. I don't. I grabbed a jacket and a sweatshirt and ran down to 16th Street. I think these guys. I might have told Ellen briefly what was happening, but it was in sort of a adrenaline haze. And I got down on the 16th. I got a cab quickly, and I got down to the restaurant and I walked in and they and I I kind of it wasn't that I was like, I've got a lunch for 85 people. We got to make it happen. And they said, Well, it's not going to happen here. So I didn't even really walk around and look. It I went, was a Christmas party. Yeah. One of our yeah. Sure. Yeah. Dave Wimsett. There was a buyout for 85. We've been doing it for like the past five uh, Fridays before Christmas. So I, we, I elevated up to our office. I got on the phone and I called down to the Ronald Reagan Center and talked to Don Shapiro. And I said, I've had a fire. I need to come do a lunch for 85 people. <laughs> And he said, well, are you crazy? In an hour and a half. Right. Was David Deshaies? <laughs> it David? Xavier. He's still, yeah. Xavier, right? Yeah. And Xavier so he said, he said yeah, you yeah, can yeah, do it, but there. I can't believe you're going to try to mobilize your team. And I said, we're doing this. Then my next so call. So wait, was, but you haven't told us what the damage was. What well, was the damage? Well, there was enough a, to have to trash. move it to the Ronald yeah, Reagan. Well, there kitchen was, a, was gone. It was the private kitchen. room was gone. Okay, the water. The firemen do most of the damage, yeah. actually. Like, but yeah, it was it was un, yeah. it was inhabitable. Yeah. Not that we don't support and, and, our firemen, we support them. Yeah, but yeah. They, no, they did a great job. They, they put kept it out. the they saved the building. Yeah, right. they put it in, they put it out in like six minutes. But they like I said, they put like eight hundred gallons of water into the restaurant. So we, I called my vendors. And I said, I need, uh, I need help. I need my trucks. Please get your trucks over here. We emptied our refrigerator. We moved all of our stuff. People, Ellen came down to the restaurant and said, what are you doing? I said, we've got, we can't, we got to have the party. We went down the trade center. We pulled off the lunch. There was caravans of cars. Yeah. Wait, wait. Yeah, okay. There was, <laughs> we, we mobilized like five of our employees with cars 
our kitchen is outside of the back of the restaurant. So thankfully, the walk-in had a lot of the prep work that was already done. Mobilize. I'll never forget this moment in my mind of like, you know, getting through security at the Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. building is crazy. Five of us going down and just looking up when you're turning that corner and seeing all the cars following us. Made sure that our client knew where to go. Got them all in. It was actually a dinner, not a lunch, but that's okay. By the time we were <laughs> details, done. Details, details. When we were done with this dinner, <laughs> we walked outside of the Trade Center and they were predicting Snowmageddon. Oh, right. The very same day. So let me just finish the story. Okay. So we walk outside and Todd and I are like, F it. We're walking home. This has been an insane day. Second we walk out onto the plaza, the snow fell. And it you remember that week, everybody was down for like a week and a half. And we were like, oh my God, fire and ice. Like, this is crazy. We walk towards our house and decide to stop by David Hagedorn's house. Because we were like so freaked out. Because you, you didn't have crazy. a bad enough day. I, I think we were talking to him or something was happening. He was asking what was happening. Went over there and drank a bottle of vodka and smoked a pack of Marlboro cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting at their house going, oh my God, what just Wait, were happened? were you writing your cookbook then? No. No. Not no, yet. No, okay. this was 2009. Okay. So. Yeah, no, it hadn't started. And so the day started with fire and it ended with ice that shut the city down for... A week? 12 days. Yeah, yeah. And week. we said, well, if there's any time to be closed, <laughs> this is it. This is it. Yeah. But we stayed closed for so five months. So is that months. the best five memory months. or the worst memory? I think it's yeah. a little bit of yin and yang. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. All right. Well, we only got one minute. Tell us quickly the best memory. Ellen, Todd, somebody's got to do it. Oh, I, I thought, I thought it was silence. finding Ellen. Right. right. Aw. That was before the restaurant. Uh, the we just celebrated 24 years I together. Know, I know. Aw. Well, let's see. Um, oh, my gosh. Wait, how White long House? have we yeah, been married? I, yeah, I 23 or 24? We've been married 23 years. Okay. So is this 24 coming up or this is 23 coming up? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Whatever. We've been married a long up. time, right? It's just yeah. long. She's the luckiest woman in the world, by the way. so lucky. Okay. <laughs> so we got to hurry because it's over. Best memory. Best memory. I don't know. Highlight. Um, I, I, speaking at the White House must have been it. I think the, getting the relationship together with the Obamas was pretty pretty highlighted. Oh, the, could you say the that run. the Obamas clung? I have one more it? guest come in and tell me about their meeting or being with Michelle or the Obamas. Like, I'm going to lose my mind. I need I know, to speak but it's to such him. A, it's such an electrifying thing. I do. I, I know. I'm jealous. I'm just talking oh, wait, about wait, 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 sheer wait. jealousy. I need to speak to him because I need him back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like today. Okay. All right. Well, we want to thank you both for thank coming you. in. And Mazel Tov. Thanks. To both of you for thank 20 you. years. It is such an incredible, incredible thing. And you are still doing, um, I mean, talk about not, not that you ever would, resting on your laurels, but always creating new things, always looking We're to what's fun. next. You're both, you're always happy. And we haven't talked about your cookbooks or your other projects. I mean, we only like it's another show. I mean, that's a whole I also want to say, your, cook, your, your cooking just must be good because Harrison grew up into a moose. <laughs> We're getting ready to re-release the book, too, by the way. We've just purchased the rights back from St. Martin's Press so that we can... Um, Rework, revamp, rephotograph. What's the title? What's the well, title? Well, it's still the New Jewish Table, but right. we're going to probably keep the same title, but we're going to be adding in a lot of Middle Eastern recipes because we've right, been to Israel based. several times now, and we've, we're all about the Middle Eastern uh, spices and seasonings, and that's what's next. Excellent. Right. Well, we cannot wait. Well, I want to thank everybody, uh, thank Grapes you, of Spain you, and Ellen and Todd, for joining us today in studio. And we want to thank. Oh, Yvonne Lopez. Still here, yes. back in the corner. And we want to thank everybody for listening today. You can always find us on iTunes and uh, at the list, com. You can also hear our other show, Foodie and the Beast, on 1500. And, of course, find us on iTunes and the list, com. there. Thank you so much for joining us today. What an empire. Thank you for having us. And everybody, please have a delicious week. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, 
on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.